John 4:23. Uh, Jesus had uh, he was going back up to Galilee, and on the way he had to go through Samaria, and he went through this particular village, and it was midday. He was very tired, and they were all hungry. So somehow which is not a somehow it's you know we often think how is that how did that happen it must have been a massive coincidence but there's no such thing as coincidences because you know god had arranged this uh, jesus was on his own amazingly with all of the people that were with him and following him he was on his own and this woman came to the well to draw water and jesus turned to her and asked her could you give me a drink of water and she said to him, how come you're speaking to me? Because he was a Jew. She knew that by his clothing. She was a Samaritan. The Jews did not have anything to do with the Samaritans. They, they did not associate with them. And um, she said, uh, are you sure you want to ask me that? Because, you know, basically she was saying, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. I, I don't know if you're really allowed to talk to me or to even ask me for something. And he said... Um, could I, could I uh, have some water? And then he said to her, well, if you knew who was asking you for this water, you actually would turn around and ask me to give you living water. And if you drank this living water, you would never again thirst. And, and so there's this really um, special um, uh, conversation that starts. And you know, that's what ministry is. Ministry is talk. Ministry is conversation. And what happens when we converse is, is that things, the Lord uses conversations to pull out stuff that's going on and stuff that needs to be brought to the light, issues that need to be healed in people. You know, don't ever worry about how, how could I even, uh, you know, give somebody the gospel or how could I talk to them? This is something the enemy has set up as a stronghold in people's minds. I would never be able to share the gospel with anybody because I wouldn't be able to remember half it and I'd make some big mess up in the middle of it and, and a blunder. And, and this is such a lie by the devil because this is how Jesus really displayed how do you, how how do you minister to people? You minister to their needs and you allow the spirit of God to, to conduct the conversation. And this is what he did. He asked her for water. She said, uh, why are you asking me for water? He said, well, if you really knew who was speaking to you, you would ask me for living water and I would give you water that would so fill you that you would never again thirst and he could see in the spirit that she was she was needing uh you know she 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 needed god and she said well give me this water so that i don't have to come back here ever again because of course she was speaking out of her um her you know her lifestyle and her um her interactions with the other people nobody went to the well at noon to collect water because it was the hottest time of the day and why was this woman going to because she wanted to go there unnoticed and on her own and jesus pulled out exactly out of her why that was and uh, she said please sir give me this water then i'd never again have to come back to this well and have to have you know, uh, all these people looking and talking about me. And he said, go bring your husband. Straight away, he put his finger on the button, yeah. on the actual, the, 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 uh, the biggest issue in her life. And she said, so she answers him and she says, I have no husband. And he says, a word of knowledge, 
straight from the Spirit of God because God knows everything. And remember that, the Holy Spirit knows everything. There's nothing, you know, we're completely naked and exposed before God. There's nothing we can hide from him. And sometimes we do that. We come to church and we put on our happy church face. Hallelujah, praise the Lord, everything's fantastic. Praise the Lord, you know, and and then we go out and, and that's not, you know, and, and God's just there going, come here, come here until I hug you and until I, uh, you know, deal with those issues. And this is what he did here. He said, um, you have answered correctly. You don't have any husband. You've had five. <laughs> and the one you're living with now is not your husband. And she goes, oh, <laughs> You know all about me. She said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Yeah. And um, then she, she says, well, why do you Jews say that, that we can only worship in such a way when we Samaritans worship this way? And she starts to get into a, a religious argument. And again, this is where that Leviathan spirit tries to operate, to twist and to... Jesus was, was speaking straight to her heart. And I'll tell you, people, friends... Uh, He's speaking to every one of our hearts all day long. God is talking to us and he is always speaking and highlighting the, the, the hub or the nub of the issue, you know, that, that we're dealing with. Only we prefer not to really deal with those things. And so what we do is instead we project outwards. And, and this is where the teaching, what Jesus said, you know, stop looking at the little speck in your brother's eye and look at the big plank in your own instead. You know, because it's so much easier for us to deal with, we think, the, the, the issues that are around with the other people instead of having a look at the things that we're struggling with ourselves. Mm-hmm. And this is what Jesus, you know, so he very clearly um, said to her then, you know, he, he didn't get involved in this in this um, religious argument that was trying to stir up here, even though it really did show that she had a heart for God because she was asking, how can I worship? How can I worship? And this is what he said to her in um, verse 21, say, Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on the mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes from the Jews. And and that's interesting, his wording there, you know. We Jews know all about him, and they did. They knew all the scriptures. And yet when he came, they didn't know him, because there was an element missing, and the element was the Spirit of God. You know, in the days of old, in the Old Testament, it was the prophets who spoke and they spoke because they, the Spirit of God came upon them and they spoke by the Spirit. And this is why it is so, the Holy Spirit is the most vital person that uh, we need in our everyday lives. You think that maybe the most vital thing you have need of is, is money or a job or a car or whatever. Listen, the most vital uh, instrument in your whole life is the Holy Spirit, the presence of God because it won't matter what mountains you're facing it won't matter what issues that are going on or circumstances that are going on God will use his spirit to deliver you out of them when you are acquainted and and when he abides in you when you're acquainted with him and when he abides in you and so this is what Jesus was saying here it won't matter where you go because all you'll need is the spirit and truth 
And you see truth, uh, Jesus said, God's word is spirit and life and his word is truth. And so uh, he went on to say here, the time is coming indeed, it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. And, and you know, I'm not trying to be uh, dismissive of anybody's worship here or singing songs to the Lord or anything like that. But I'll tell you, we really need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And there's a massive block to singing in the Spirit or, or, or to, to allowing the Spirit of God to move right across our churches. A massive block, you know, because the devil does not want the Spirit of God to move. Because when the Spirit of God is, is given free reign to move, uh, that's when the miracles break out. That's when revival starts. That's when our hearts are changed and transformed, you know. And uh, this is the Father's looking. Imagine, he's looking. For people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Um, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God's platform, if you like, is is the spirit. It's his operating system. We go and we go to our laptops and we switch them on and you've either got um, Microsoft uh, as your operating system. Windows are the one in, what's the one in Apple again? That's a different, isn't it? Links, yeah. So that's the operating system. Well, if you want the kingdom of God's operating system, it's the spirit of God, and and that's why. Um, in in let's go have a look at Zechariah chapter four. Zechariah, it's the last um, prophet before Malachi, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Uh, in Zechariah chapter four, and I was amazed when I when I saw this because um, Thursday night there. Um, Catherine had a question and like I always I love that about the Lord and about the Spirit of God is that he speaks to so many people um, and and his word always lines up uh, you know and and um, it was I was going for the, the the scripture you know and not by might not by power but by my spirit says the Lord which is verse um, six I think isn't it but actually when I started reading the chapter it's amazing it's talking about the lampstand and the two olive trees and um, this is really uh, Zechariah was a prophet again in the Old Testament before Jesus came there was certain uh, prophets called out by God consecrated by God and they spoke the word of God to the people and, and they, they issued decrees they gave people guidance and wisdom from God. If people, if kings and leaders needed wisdom, they went and they, they went to the prophets and they asked them for, you know, what is God saying? Or tell us. And actually what I spoke about earlier about what David did, um, you know, when he encouraged himself in the Lord, you know, David was, was, a, was a prophet of God. Uh, God used him. He wrote all the, uh, so many of the Psalms, out of his ministry, pouring out his heart to God and God pouring out his heart to him. Do you know that God wants to pour his heart into you as much as you need to pour your heart out to him? Yeah. God needs us as much as we need him. Years ago in the children's room, we had a song, God loves it when I pray. He loves it when I sing his praise and he tells me that he loves me. He tells me that he needs me. He tells me uh, you know, all his plans. And then the last verse of it was, God loves it when I pray. He loves it when I sing his praise. And he tells me all his news. 
He tells me all of his plans and he, he needs me. I can't remember the exact wording of it now, but he needs me to help him uh, to answer his prayer because we are his hands and feet on this earth. And so in order for God to carry out his will and his purposes, it's through the church, through his people. And he can't do that where his spirit is not allowed to move because there's a blockage. We have been reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that has made the way for his spirit to come and live in us so that we have a direct line, an open communication, a portal. You are a walking portal of God's presence and of his power. And you don't realize it. We don't because we've allowed the enemy to dumb us down and to dumb down the gospel and to stop us from, from operating and demonstrating the kingdom of God. Because we get, uh, you know, we go through life, we get offended, we, 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 people hurt us, we, we rise up and we, we, you know, get mad, we get fearful, we, we, we feel nothing's happening, we get disappointed or despondent, discouraged, and, and all of these things stop the flow of the Spirit of God. And that's the time you need to take a step out of the situation and I'll tell you, there's many of us that are going through difficult situations and it's the enemy who is causing all the fluster and the stress in order to keep you inside in that situation, battling away by yourself, banging and, and trying to see. And all you're doing is punching the air. What you need to do is remove yourself from the situation and refuse. No, I am not getting involved in that. I am not quenching the spirit of God. I am not going to grieve God's heart. Because, you know, when we, when we don't allow the spirit of God to move, it says that we grieve the spirit. And when the spirit is grieved, he can't, he cannot move. And, and this is why it's so important to keep, um, you know, the, the, Paul said, keep my little children, or it was Titus, was it? Keep yourself from idols. He wasn't just talking about statues that people bow down in front of. He was saying anything that raises itself up as more of a priority in your life than God. Jesus said, if you love son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom. He wasn't being cruel, saying don't love your family. He was saying don't put other people or don't put anybody on a pedestal that will take your attention because your attention will be taken away from God and he cannot operate in your life as a result. It's very important. And I'm speaking to myself most of all here. Anyway, um, I'm going to read Zechariah 4 from the NLT because it's quite short. The angel who had been talking with me returned and woke me as though I had been asleep. What do you see now, he asked. You see, the prophets, uh, they, they would be seers. They would see visions. They would see things that, that the Lord would show them. Uh, I answered, this is Zechariah speaking. I see a solid gold lampstand with a bowl of oil on top of it. Around the bowl are seven lamps, each having seven spouts with wicks. And I see two olive trees, one on each side of the bowl. Then I asked the angel, what are these, my Lord? What do they mean? Don't you know, the angel asked. No, my Lord, I replied. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by might, it is not by strength, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
Nothing, not even a mighty mountain, will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. Now Zerubbabel was a civic leader in uh, Jerusalem at the time. And he was the one who was given responsibility for rebuilding the temple. Okay? So he was, uh, you see, in Revelation, the word of God tells us that we are kings and priests. Okay, that's very interesting. We're kings and priests. And what this means is that uh, in the marketplace, there are, we are to operate as kings. We are to operate uh, on behalf of the kingdom of God as ambassadors of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And thus we can, you know, be, uh, live blessed to be a blessing. And in the kingdom of God, we are also called to worship on the, unto the Lord as a priest. And in the Old Testament, the priest was the one who looked after the temple. And the temple was where God's presence was. So now in the new covenant, under the blood of Jesus, we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Uh, not just our bodies, but our lives. And it is our job to look after uh, and to, to allow the Spirit of God to flourish in our lives. And so, say that with me, I'm called, I'm called as, a king as a king and a priest. And a priest. Father, Father, help me, help me to, minister to minister in my job, in my, job, in my, work, in my work, as an ambassador, as an ambassador of, your kingdom, of your kingdom, and help me, and help me to, protect to protect the anointing, the anointing of, your spirit, of your spirit who's living inside of me. I present myself, my life, my body, everything I am, as a temple, a living sacrifice, the temple of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, if people could get a grasp of this, we would have no crime. We would have no problems in the world because everybody would be living unto God. But what has happened is people have walked away from the things of God and they sort of, some of them will will deal with God on a Sunday or maybe on on a Wednesday night or something. Uh, You know, that's that's my time for God. But as as a temple of the Holy Spirit, we're a walking vessel of his anointing. And when we understand that, we will live our lives very differently. And, and we will, uh, you know, live victorious and live holy. People say, well, I can't be holy because I'm a real, you know, I, I fall and I sin. Well, guess what? God is not looking at your flesh. He's looking at your spirit. And we have been washed and cleansed with the blood of Jesus and made right with him. And you are a temple of the Holy Spirit and you are holy. You are consecrated and set apart to God. We spoke about that last week. And what, he's, what the angel was saying here was Zerubbabel was the leader who was, uh, you know, the civic leader in the marketplace who was looking after the physical rebuilding of the temple. And he said, for Zerubbabel, there will be, uh, it, it will not be in by might, which means that word might there, not by might. Uh, that means not by the might of many people. 
you know, not by a great army or not by a, you know, a great congregation coming together. It won't be a group uh, who achieve this. Uh, not by strength, not by might, not by power. That, power. that word power also translates to strength, and that means the power of one. So it won't be by a group of people. It won't be by one person's power, uh, but by my spirit. And the spirit will be what, what um, Zechariah saw here was this lampstand that had two olive trees either side of it. And the olive trees had, um, you know, like a direct feed into the lampstand uh, because, of course, oil, uh, you know, the oil was used as fuel for the lamps. And so this oil was being poured straight into the lampstand. That's what Zechariah saw. And often, you know, when people have dreams and visions from God, uh, they're totally confused and they're saying, I had this really weird dream and it was really real, but I, I can't make head or tail of it. It was the, you know, um, there was a truck in it. <laughs> and uh, like years ago, I, I had a dream, um, a really profound dream one night uh, that uh, I was in this kind of a depot and that there was these giant trucks, you know, that go to the quarries that actually, um, not just the, the, the regular um, sand truck, but you know, the, the articulated ones, the giant ones. And they were pulling up to the depot and I had, and I was filling them with something and then they'd drive off and then another one would drive up and I was filling it. And, and I was saying, what's up? You know, but it was, re it was actually like I was standing there and I was saying to the Lord, what is this? And, you know, I didn't understand at the time. It's 10 years ago or more. And, uh, you know, but, but by being given the privilege of being able to share the word of God here, that's what I'm doing now. I'm pouring the, the, the power of God's word into all of the people who are, who are listening to the sound of my voice. And uh, nothing got to do with me uh, you know, I was only like a depot worker inside there. Uh, but you are the ones who are the big articulated lorries carrying off that with you as you operate in your daily lives, filled up. You know, and, and uh, so this is what uh, Ze Zechariah saw here was this most unusual thing. And he was saying, what do the olive trees signify? I know what the lampstand is, but what are they? And, and God said, that's a direct feed of my spirit into that uh, lampstand and that lampstand lights up the whole temple you know the lampstand is where the light came from and uh, so he he says here then as well that there will be nothing not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way it will become a level plain before him so no matter what the enemy tries to to put in front of of uh, Zerubbabel from getting this job done of, of building the temple it, you know God, by the power of his spirit, will level those mountains. And how is this relevant for you? God is speaking here through the word of God to us as a symbolic foreshadow that this is the way it's going to be in your life. As you allow the Holy Spirit to pour his direct feed into you, uh, you know, your way will be lit 
and the, the, the things that you need to do will become so much easier uh, for you through the power of his spirit, mm-hmm. not by your own might, not by your own intelligence. And this is, you know, we can see this in our lives, the things that we've tried to do in the past, where we've tried to say, right, I'm going to get all of them together now and we're all going to do this and, and it didn't work out. Or you try to say, well, you know, I know how to do this, I, I, I'll get this done and then it didn't work out. And there's, there's this like wondering what's after happening why can't i why can't i get this done or why why haven't hasn't it worked out for me it's because you've been operating in the flesh leaning on the arm of flesh instead of operating in the spirit and allowing god's spirit to to direct your life to lead you and to smooth out that straight plane in front of you Um, So when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. It will be a work of God. And that's the thing, you see, there's been plenty of things that have been built in this world, even in our own lives, that have been a work of man. Well, you know, you'll hear it said, he's a self-made man. Oh, he's, he's fantastic altogether at, at his, you know, he's got great ability. And that's the truth. God has given us gifts and talents, and he wants us to use them. But we have to make sure that it's him who's getting the glory Amen. and not man. And, you know, this is where uh, the, the word of God and, and the things of God have got perverted. It is the reason that so many people down through the years have been so hurt in churches. And, and I'm not just talking about Christian churches. I'm talking about denominations. I'm talking about in families, in different environments, in workplaces. They have been hurt and wounded because people have, have operated where they put men as on a pedestal. Yeah. And, and it can never work out. It has to be Jesus who's the one who, who's given the glory. It has to be for the glory and honor of his name. Yeah. Another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. You know, God always completes his work. Mm-hmm. He says in Philippians, he will complete that which, per, which pertains to you. Yeah. He will complete it. Mm-hmm. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise the small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Don't ever think, look, I'm too small. Uh, The things I'm doing are too little. It's the small things that are done consistently that keep this world going. You know that? It's the small things that we do consistently that, that have God move in our lives and fill us with his spirit. Um... Do not despise despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. You know, God will do it and he will complete the work, but he needs your hands and your feet. He needs you. He needs your gifts, your abilities to carry out his work, to display and demonstrate his power. Um, you know, God has, you, you talk about devolved government. They're talking about that a lot now with the Queen's death and all that, you know, and in um, Northern Ireland, they, so they have their own government, but yet they're still under the, the um, you know, the Commonwealth and yeah. the, the United Kingdom or whatever. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, God needs you as much as you need him. <coughs> And 
He needs you to demonstrate his kingdom. Uh, and the only way that that will happen is through the power of his spirit. Sorry, I got distracted there and I forgot what I was going to say. But anyway, the seven lamps represent the eyes of the Lord that search all around the world. Then I asked the angel, what are these two olive trees on each side of the lampstand? And what are the two olive branches that pour out golden oil through the two gold tubes? Don't you know, he asked. No, my Lord, I replied. Then he sent, said to me, they represent the two anointed ones who stand in the court of the Lord of all the earth. And he was talking here about uh, both Zerubbabel and Joshua. And Joshua was the, the priest. He was the high priest. And so that anointing that he carried, along with the anointing of Zerubbabel, the king and the priest together in God's temple, is what, uh, you know, is, is what the Lord was showing Zechariah here, is where the oil will flow. And we have to, we have to keep that front and center in our minds. Um, God wants his supply to feed our lives and for us to rely totally and continually on his very breath, not to glory or to lean upon our own human strength. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I, there's a, a website there, I think it's very good, enduringword.com it's called, and he does a lot of explanations of different things, but I thought this was really good, the way he explained the oil. You know, we, we need oil for so many things. Oil is used to lubricate. Oil is used to heal. You know, if, if you have a scar or a cut and you put olive oil on it or almond oil, you know, it, it will heal the skin. Uh, oil is used to lubricate where there's, where there's any kind of, of um, you know, things that need to, to work in a certain way. And if you oil them, uh, I have a, a, a guillotine out there, a cutter, and then uh, every so often I have to put oil on it because otherwise it starts squeaking and screaming like crazy. Uh, door hinges, they need to be oiled in order to, to operate properly. So oil lubricates, oil heals, oil invigorates. People go for a massage to the spa and, and they use an oil on them. And what it does is it penetrates into the skin and it, it brings refreshment to the body. And it causes somebody to relax and rest as well. Uh, oil is used for warmth. We use it, as we know, for our homes. And it's used for light. Uh, in the temple in those days, they had to have oil lamps. Um, and so it's, it's something that's used for light. It's used in perfumes. Uh, they would use the oil as a base and then they would add you know the the, the different scents lavender or whatever or myrrh or frankincense you, you put that in the oil and suddenly you start to smell really uh, and, and intoxicatingly um, heavenly because oil is a great carrier for scent um, oil is used to polish things so the the oil is so vital to every part of our lives and that's what the holy spirit is in every area of our lives we need God's spirit. And, um, you know, in uh, Galatians chapter 5, In, in uh, Galatians 5, it's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. You can read that for yourself. And um, in Galatians 5, 
Well, let's go to 16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And this is the truth. You know, um, that's how Paul said it. You know, he said, the things, sorry, I just checked this here. The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. Well, that's when you're being led by the flesh. Uh, But when we're led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to the flesh. And this is why when somebody comes to know the Lord, uh, maybe who last week was a, a, a drug addict high on cocaine or heroin or, or uh, an addict of, of something else, alcohol or porn or whatever. And then when they, they, uh, their lives are radically changed and transformed and they're totally delivered, you know, what would have taken in the flesh six months to do inside in a treatment center, God can do instantly in 30 mm-hmm. seconds. And, and people say, well, how is that possible? It's because the Holy Spirit uh, fills them and they receive. And you'll often find that, that people who are just like what Jesus saw there with, with the woman at the well. This woman who was, who was like really, you know, living in sin. She had five husbands. God, her, God bless her patience. Like <laughs> five husbands, and now she was living with another one. And you know, but yet you'll you'll find that that people who were perhaps in the darkest, deepest pit are the ones who will receive instantly from God. And mm-hmm. and I never finished that in John four. That's exactly what she did. She ran back into the town and she called them all. Mm-hmm. She was she was instantly an evangelist. She called all the people of the town and she said, come out and see this guy. He told me every, he is, he must be the Messiah. And it said they all came out and Jesus stayed there ministering to them for a few days. Those people were, were, saw the difference in this woman. And you know, that's the thing. That's what we need to believe for is that, uh, and, and, you know, praise the Lord that in this coming season, what we're going to see are people who are desperate and who are in desperate situations. And, and you know, there are a lot of churches and, you know, they, 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 look, for, they look for numbers and for people. But, you know, I'll tell you, God's not interested in numbers and people. What he's interested in is seeing people whose lives have been transformed and changed. Yeah. And... Uh, who are now being led by the Spirit. And that's how you can see somebody live a totally dif- different life uh, instantly from the minute that, that they're prayed with and, and that they, you know, they get healed or they get delivered, they get set free. Uh, their, their you know, baggage that they've brought with them for years is instantly healed. And then you see other people who have kind of, you know, known the Word of God for years, but, but they're resisting. And why are they resisting? Because they're resisting the spirit of God. And that's why they haven't seen breakthrough. You know? And, and, and the other thing is, is also that the devil is resisting them. And that he's causing you know, lots of different maybe attacks on that person. Because perhaps that person is really anointed by God in a certain area. Or, or maybe their children or whatever. And, and the enemy has tried to, to really break them. But we have to resist him steadfast in the faith. 
And, and how we do that is by humbling ourselves. And when we humble ourselves and realize that we are nothing in ourselves, we have no power, we have no might, we have no strength. Our power comes from God and we are standing on his word and we will see his hand of deliverance and we will see the, the glory of God. And I'll tell you, we are on the cusp of it and you know it, you know it yourself. You can feel it inside of yourself you can see the things that are happening in the world and you can see the things that are happening in the kingdom of God you know and you have to you have to hold on actually who had that word the last night was it you Louise in Hebrews chapter 10 you know hold fast your confidence don't let go and and don't let the enemy talk you out of your miracle don't let the enemy talk you out of your breakthrough but also don't let the enemy tie you up so much with 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 distractions and with with fighting and punching the air you know remove yourself from that situation and allow the spirit of god instead to minister to you and to give you the download and the strategy for breakthrough and um in Galatians, yeah, go back to this. Uh, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, verse 16. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed and led by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses because you won't want to do it. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So there's quite clear um, you know, directions and instructions there in that passage of how to be led by the Spirit. How will you know someone's led by the Spirit? Because you'll see the fruit. And that's what we need to do. We need church. And I'm talking to myself most of all here. We need to start producing fruit. And what is the fruit? The fruit we need to produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We need to be operating in love. We need to be full of joy. We need to have peace, no matter what the storm, no matter what the circumstances. We need to maintain patience and mercy with people. We need to be kind to people. We need to know that God is good and to allow his goodness to operate in our lives. We need to know that God is faithful and that we need to ourselves to be faithful to his work, to his word and his work. We need to be gentle and to have self-control. 
Jesus said, by their fruits, you'll know them. And there's plenty of people that are out there in the world that are mass producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit and they're not inside in church at all. Well, and they're... Sorry, what is the, the kingdom of God? Let me tell you again that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, like, it, it's just that when somebody's involved in those things, Maris, they, they, they kind of, you know, they're, they're, they're not living for God. And, like, we, we, you know, that's what Jesus was saying, is that we have to produce the fruit uh, and, and where there's... But the thing is, is that God has promised us that we in our households shall be saved. And, you know, very often people are following, and, and, you know, sometimes people are following those kind of lifestyles because they have not seen any kind of joy or any kind of life in the church, and they see nothing there for them. And, you know, where God uh, has been perverted to people, where, where there has been things that have been done in God's name, and it has turned people off of God, what have they done? Only the enemy has sucked them down, you know, that path. But that's why we pray. And, and like, that's why the Lord says, arise and shine for your light has come. And we, you know, you might look and say, well, I see very few people who, who actually come to church or who, who live, you know, by the, the word of God. But the thing is, is that we are on the cusp of seeing the greatest outpouring of the spirit of God and people who have been living this way are going to be touched and instantly healed and delivered. They are because God is faithful. Amen. And, uh, you know, we can see that even, even already happening in the world. Uh, people are coming. Jesus is visiting with people in dreams and visions. Yes. And, and they're, being, they're being saved and instantly transformed, uh, you know. So, but that is, it, yeah, that is what it's saying, like that, that the, the results of, of following the desires of the flesh um, stop somebody from being able to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, you know, the thing is, is that Many people, when they come to the end of their life, even if they've lived a life of saying, I hate God, I want nothing to do with God, what you often find is that uh, when they're at their last breath, that they say, oh, Jesus, forgive me, you know, and, and they come uh, and repent, uh, you know, and, uh, but like, yeah, that is, what, it's, it's there in black and white, like it's quite clear. And, and that's why we have to, we have to be aware of these things. We can't honor God if we're living, um, you know, lives that are not honoring him. Um, it, it, it just doesn't. And, and that's what's gone on in the past. And that's what Jesus called out as well. He, he told the, the, the Pharisees and leaders, he said, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look all white and brilliant and perfect on the outside, but inside you're filthy. And he turned to the people and he said, Listen to what they say, but do not do what they do. You know, that they were doing, they were saying one thing, but they were privately doing another thing. And the thing is, is that everything in the kingdom of God is totally transparent. Um, God wants us to live transparent lives. And, and that's what humbling ourselves before him, like I said at the beginning, 
The Holy Spirit knows everything. Uh, there's nothing that's hidden uh, by, by us to him. He knows it all. And yet God loves us. And he, he said, I did not come to condemn. And that's the thing, is that what happens when people uh, use the kingdom of God as a, as a weapon, what they do is, is the enemy uses us to condemn people. And Jesus was quite clear. He said, I did not come to condemn. I came to seek and save the lost, that they would be brought back to my father. And uh, so what I wanted to do today, let's just turn this off here. Mm -hmm.